Does that date me? Okay, George Michael, you've got to have faith. So everyone has faith in something or someone, and we usually say quite negatively, oh, I've lost faith in the NHS, or I've lost faith in politicians. And we mean that we don't think they're going to deliver on what they said they would, or they're not or what we expect from the system. But when something good happens, we say something like, oh, that restores my faith in democracy or justice or humanity, whatever the situation is. So we're trusting in some, something um, or somebody's ability or knowledge, and we look to see if the actions or outcomes match what was promised, that the person has done what they said they were going to do. So Jesus came that those who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And the only way that we can come to God is through faith, believing in what he has revealed about himself. And then we trust in his character, his promises, believing that he will do what he has promised. And that changes the way that we live. So we live by faith and not by sight. And this is the firm foundation that we build our life upon. So I'm so glad we're looking at Hebrews, which I think is such an awesome book. And please read the whole of it um, when you've got time, because you want to know why Jesus is worthy of all our praise, someone we can completely trust, because he is simply the best, better than all the rest. So at the beginning of Hebrews 11, we get a definition of faith in the context of this book. And it says, faith, verse 1, it's being confident in what we hope for and also assurance about what we do not see. So that is being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we cannot see it. So here is a slide of a radar screen. The only way pilots can fly in fog is by trusting their radar. Radar tells you about things that, that are there, but they might be too far away or hidden for our eyes to see. So we can liken faith to radar that sees through fog. Faith knows what is there, and it tells us even when we cannot actually see it with our eyes. We cannot see God, but faith tells us that he is there. So there are three things I want to talk about in this passage. The first one is believing in God's word, which is his revelation of himself. And that, that we trust, therefore, in God's character, that he's made promises and he will deliver on them. And that means, then, that we live to please God. So God has given us certain promises through his word, and primarily through his son, Jesus. So we can hope for many things, but in the context of Hebrews, our hope is being made right with God, securing a place in God's house, being part of God's people, and living peacefully and well under the care of God's rule in eternity. And these are the things that really preoccupied the Jewish tradition as well. But Jesus opened up a new and living way for us 
to enter God's presence by Jesus' sacrificial death. So Jesus alone makes us good enough to live in God's presence through his spirit of grace. So what do we hope for? Our secular culture is so obsessed entitlement and gratification. I want it all and I want it now. And actually our culture always influences the way we perceive God. So, this arrived for me yesterday. Maybe we think uh, of God as Amazon and Jesus is our speedy driver that delivers whatever we ask for to our door. And then maybe we might lose faith, actually, because we don't get the deliveries we want. And then sometimes it's just too slow. So in the context of Hebrews, where they're being persecuted for their faith, pressing on is a hard but necessary option. It's the narrow and hard way. And this faith hopes in the invisible the eternal. So they believed God who said, there's so much more to life than what we can see. In Christ, we have better and more lasting possessions. So some of us might be finding life difficult because life isn't fair and life may be not playing out as the way we expected and maybe there's a sudden illness or family difficulties or all sorts of anxieties that can make um, faith in a loving God difficult. So we're experiencing fog. And we as Christians are not immune to life's hardship, although it is tempting always to read the lovely verses in the Bible that always tell us we're going to be protected, have happiness and wealth at all times. But just remember, there's always context to verses, and there always is a balance in Scripture. So we need to turn on our radar and ask, where is the power of the Holy Spirit working in this situation? Because we live by faith and not by sight. And Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So this faith is illustrated in verse 3. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So I was talking to a friend about her daughter, who just loves the natural world, is so passionate about sustainability, and she feels so connected to it, and it really helps her well-being. There's a lot about that, isn't there, at the moment? So I asked, well, has this stimulated her spirituality? Well, no, no, not at all. Just Mother Nature is as far as it goes. So if she sees the black and white, Jesus brings us color, because by faith, we see the fingerprints of God all over creation. We, by faith, we see the beauty and the diversity and the extraordinary things and think there must be a God who made all this. 
So the evidence we see gives us faith that God is real. And this resonates with the uh, biblical narrative of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit creating our universe through his unseen world. Word. The invisible world creates the visible one in which we live. And it says by faith we understand this. St. Augustine wrote that faith is the first step to understanding. So understanding is the reward of faith. So don't try to understand in order to believe, but believe that you may understand. So faith is a spiritually perceiving and understanding process. And it's faith that opens us up to this vast capacity of God for beauty and joy and peace and love and goodness, which can only be understood as we have fellowship with him and enjoy his presence. And our part is to do everything that Jesus asked us to do. So don't forget Sermon on the Mount. I wonder how you're getting on with that. That's how Jesus showed us how we can gain insight into how to please God. So faith is the fundamental of our relationship to God. It's in the biblical narrative from beginning to the end. So we need to ask ourselves, do we have faith? How do I know I've got the right kind of faith? It's not about how big my faith is, how sincere I am. It's about a saving faith which believes in God's word, trusts his character, and shows me how to live a life that pleases God. So we've got three characters to look at because they were commended for their faith. So how did they believe God's word, trust his character, and live this out? So first of all, let's look at Abel. It says that Abel bought God a better offering than his older brother Cain. So they were the sons of Adam and Eve, and their story is in Genesis 4. So it didn't take long, did it, for sin and sibling rivalry to really wreck family life. And somehow, by faith, Abel knew he should offer God the firstborn of his flock, which was the right sort of sacrifice because it involved a shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. And that prefigured Jesus and all his serving work, saving work. And then Cain had a choice to battle within evil within him or to do the right thing. And he chose to go with evil, didn't he, really? He murdered his brother, probably out of jealousy. Abel is an example of sacrificial faith and understanding of what pleased God, even though it enraged his brother and cost him his life. So I hope you're not in such a dire situation. But people actually who do, who do come to faith, like from a Muslim background, they can lose their lives because their family hate them because of their faith. But faith can evoke a negative reaction from others. So it does call for sensitivity and courage. But in the places that we work 
or relaxing? Do people know that we are Christians and see that faith makes a difference to the way we live? Or do we get, take the easy way out? And then, how about Enoch? Well, he never died. He was one of the very few. God took him up because he was pleased with him. And we're told in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked faithfully with God. So not a big deal. He just walked faithfully. And the implication here is that his day-to-day life was determined by the belief that God was real and he earnestly sought him. And then he found that he was a generous God who saved him from death. I mean, how extraordinary. But God promises us eternal life. And this life starts now. It is therefore a wonderful privilege to be able to walk with God and in seeking God, talking to him, asking questions, just deepening our knowledge of God and of his character so that we can love him more. And as we know with friendships, the more we share with others, the more we get to know them. So earnestly seek God through reading his word, praying really deeply, and living in the best way that we can. Sermon on the Mount's really helpful on that. And then listening to his voice, What is he saying? And then acting on that. So put on your radar and see where Jesus might be working behind the scenes because the invisible is more real than the visible. But life distracts us, doesn't it? And keeps us busy and there's always stuff to do. So our challenge is to make this the main priority in our lives. I'm really bad at this, okay? I'm just telling myself, and and you're listening in. The invisible is so much more lasting than the visible. And then we come to Noah. Noah was warned about things not yet seen, that the flood was coming. But he believed God's word, and then he trusted that he would do what he said. So he acted accordingly. He built the ark And Noah acted in holy fear, which I think means his reverence for God and his character overcame his fear of people and their evil and their violence. And maybe he had doubts. And maybe people cruelly mocked him and thought he was mad. Or maybe he felt uncertainty about collecting all those animals and the logistics of, oh, how is it all gonna work? But he was obedient to God's calling. And honestly, it didn't make sense to anyone else, and they carried on as normal, and then it happened. And only Noah and his family were saved. I think that's so sad. In 2 Peter, Noah is called a preacher of righteousness. So no doubt he was warning people, and nobody paid any notice. They had no concept of this faith that Noah had. So his actions were a lasting judgment on the world. So we can live in reverent awe of God, or can we live that way that overcomes our fear of people and their opinions? We want to show God's love to those around us, but sometimes 
We do have to stand up for God's standards, maybe questioning our work culture, maybe that bullying culture, or the prejudice, or dodgy practices, or maybe helping people with their relationship problems, how we advise or help people. Do we go along with them, or do we offer a different view that honors God's way of behaving? And of course, we need the same face today. And dear Jamie and Jenny, show us, show that in, the, in us in their lives. So Jamie said he's believed his word literally from the age of seven, hearing that he was going to be ordained. And there have been knockbacks, but he has trusted in God's character to do what he has promised. And they have persevered. They have kept on walking with God growing in faith and understanding. So, Jamie, as you start your curacy, we ask God to strengthen your faith and lead you into greater service in a way that pleases him. You're both going to be brilliant. So saving faith is the belief in God's word that keeps us pressing on when everything around us tells us to give up, it's just not working. And it's the kind of faith that lives day to day, despite the fog of life, trusting in God's promises that through our Lord Jesus, we have been made right with him, so that filled with his spirit, we can be free to love others and to do good things that please God. And it's a faith that believes God is a generous God and he will reward us with a home in heaven, gloriously living with Jesus, where no sin can sabotage all the goodness. Is that pie in the sky for you? As I get older, actually, it sounds appealing, increasingly appealing. And when there's so much violence and evil in the world, I'm praying more, actually, for Jesus to come again and uh, just set us free. But it's not just the, f- the future. We can know God's presence in our lives as we persevere to deepen our relationship with God and grow in understanding of the one who loves us and gave his life for us. So let us pray. Lord, you know our hearts. Help us to put on our radar to seek you out. Give us the desire to live by faith and not by sight. What are you saying to us to help us grow in our faith?